Welcome to the Lowdown. It's Alan Mitchell. We're live for the next two hours. Oilers win their 12th in a row and now sit third in the Pacific Division. Next stop is Calgary tomorrow night. That should be fun. You can reach us at sports1440.ca, iHeartRadio, and Radio Player Canada. Text or call us 1-833-401-1440. We're at Twitter, at Low Tide, and at Donovan Paulson. Please follow Donovan. Last time I checked, he had like 20 followers, uh, and I don't know if it's something he was saying that caused all those people to leave, but we want them back. The Lowdown is driven by Wolf GMC Buick on the corner of 184th Street and Stony Plain Road. Our guest today, Steve Lansky and Tyler Uramchak, and our friend Declan will be by with Declinations at 140. We do have a lot to talk about, but first we have to introduce and uh, talk to our producer today, Donovan Paulson. Welcome to The Lowdown. Thank you. Thank you. I, uh, yeah, I'm uh, very excited to be here. This is kind of like a, a legacy moment for me. This is uh, something I never thought I'd be doing. Well, I'm sure it'll be a disappointment when you look back on it, and that's okay. Now, what exactly did Declan say about the show and doing the show? Uh, Don't use your own words. Tell me exactly what he said. Okay, well, uh, Declan basically just said to me that Alan's gonna 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 treat you rough. He's he's gonna be a, a real <laughs> real detriment to you, and he's gonna kind of tear you down. Right. You know, not yeah. instill a bunch of confidence in you. I didn't expect him to be that honest. Very well done. Okay, so tell me a little bit about yourself. Uh, you you go to Nate, right? You're you're are you through the program or in the middle of the program? Uh, technically, I would be in my fourth semester, but fourth okay. semester is just a practicum. So right. uh, you know, here I am on my practicum. Um, this is uh, exactly where I wanted to be. Okay. I was going to ask you that. Yeah, I couldn't have uh, chosen a better spot for myself. And okay. uh, obviously, I applied to be here uh, through through Gregor. And uh, he was, uh, you know, nice enough to accept me and uh, welcome me in here. So uh, two weeks here now, uh, you know, this yeah. is my two-week mark officially. And yeah. People seem to like you. They've said nice things about you. You, yeah, you, I don't know how old you are, but you shave. Clearly, you've got a mustache and a beard. <laughs> so you're ahead of Hallie. Good job. Uh, how's that working for you? Are people, people are nice to you here? People are very nice to you me know. here. Yeah, no, I feel uh, 100% welcome. I uh, Obviously, this is my first uh, encounter here with you in, mm-hmm. the, in the studio. And uh, yeah, no, uh, working with, with Connor and, and Brandon, the Duke, uh, they've been wonderful to me. Same with, same with Kevin and uh, all the co-hosts on the yeah. Kevin Carey show. It's been fantastic. So, and uh, your family listens and they're proud of you and they like you personally? Um, I'd like to hope so, yeah. Sure, because that's always a concern. You know, the first time I ever did a radio show that my dad heard, true story, uh, I was a six to midnight show at Kissin. I was filling in, and he listened to the whole show. I got home, and he was still up, like at 1.30 in the morning. And um, I said, what do you think, Dad? And he said, you need a backup job. I'm like, hi, Dad. Thank you so much. Anyway, welcome. Yeah, I heard you do the the, the sports cast. You do a really good job. I'm sure you'll be taking my job within a little while. We don't know. Do we know where Declan is? Is he ever going to come back, or is he done now? I, I don't know. Um, he he might have just been lost. Right. I, I don't know. He could be just in the woods somewhere. Sure. He might just be uh, one of those survival people now. I, I don't be. know. I'd, I'd I'd like to think so. Uh, uh, I'm going to ask you a question. Yes. And, and I want to, you to tell know what the wrong answer is. I once asked uh, Tato Yuremchuk this question. I said, where do you want to be in five years? And he said, excuse me, you're sitting in my chair, which I thought was cruel. <laughs> I thought that was cruel, Donovan. So five years from now, you want to be doing sports radio or? 
Uh, 100%. Um, okay. My whole goal with uh, joining Nate's radio and television program was uh, sports radio. Um, this is what I've loved. I've loved it for a long time, whether that was, uh, well, obviously in your old 1260 days, but mm-hmm. we'll get past them. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, this better. Um, you know, um, I loved whether that was Dustin Nielsen in the morning, Gregor on the way home, you in the afternoon. It was uh, It was fantastic, and I never envisioned myself actually like, being here cool so this is um this is quite a quite an experience for me i can't lie well that's great and and you're doing great so just keep doing what you're doing over and over again for the next 40 years and then you'll probably be a lot like me and going what time is the show end it's all good <laughs> uh so a few things to get to lansky and your are our guest we've mentioned declinations uh come in we're not going to talk nfl at length uh donovan and i are going to go game by game and pick our winners we'll see if that works or not first period last night was a mess i thought for the Oilers. all of the things you worry about with the edmonton Oilers, they were doing they were uh making i think risky passes they were relying too much on the goaltending and they were they were doing that free flow thing where you're exchanging chances and this new uh, coaching staff has done a good job of calming everybody down and taking that chaos and putting it aside. First period last night, it was all back. But the good news is they corrected it. And then the the coffee, Stewart, Knobloch, new originals, if you remember Spinal Tap, took over in the second and the third period. And it was a great game. Stuart Skinner, I thought, was one of the stars of the game. I thought Leon Dreisaitl was brilliant. Um... The, the top two lines are, are just really good, but they're getting good production from the third and fourth line, too. I still th- I like the, I'm glad Gagne was back. I thought McLeod did a really nice job. They need one more guy in the middle there. Uh, I saw Hamlin get run over. It should have been a penalty, but he just absolutely got flattened in that game. I'd like a little more size. Matthias Ekholm, not quite what you expect from him. He had a rare off night, and Yanni Gord is going to get some time off, maybe some nights off. He has a hearing schedule of the National Hockey League. Now, for me, last night's game was obviously win number 12. That's fantastic. But if you're going to have a, a successful team, you have to win in more ways than one. And Seattle can skate. They're aggressive. They can be physical, as we saw last night. Not just with Gord. Adam Larson is filthy in his own way, and I respect him for it. But the Oilers were also punishing as well, and they didn't back down. And there were a couple of penalties by the referees that I was like, maybe more than a couple. I was like, come on, man. Let these guys play. But at the end of the day, the Oilers won. Their power play is trying to do too much with the passing. I think they... You got to get back to Bouchard and just hammer it, or or find a way to find a seam with the puck and shoot it from the side. Whether you're McDavid, they are all over Drysaddle, and I know they want that play so he can hammer it. But if it's not available, then you're going to have to take your second option. And I thought the Oilers should have done that more last night. Do you have any thoughts on the game? Anything that you liked about the game? Uh, well, much like you, I thought the the first period was just. Honestly, the worst I've seen them play since Knobloch became the head coach here. But um, I, I I loved watching the, the, the second and third period. I, I thought, uh, like you said, Ryan McLeod was, was quite good. Um, I no, I mean they, they they were they were clean the the second and third I thought, but there was some I didn't love the some of the penalties called in this game. Mm. Yeah, I thought the same. I thought you know the referees were a bigger part of the game than they should have or needed to be. But I, I, I was impressed that they got the call right on Gord. To me, that was the biggest, the most calamitous moment in terms of officiating. You had to get that right. Gord really took a run at Ekholm. And that's a dangerous play. For the Oilers, Ekholm is 
an absolutely vital piece of that cog. Uh, Cam in a pizzeria says, could Low Tide elaborate on what 6 to Midnight Show is? I have questions. Well, back in the old days, uh, I was working in Red Deer, uh, and Bob McCord called my boss and said, I need a guy to come up and fill in for the Christmas show. And so I did. I drove up, and my parents didn't listen to me in Red Deer because I think they thought Red Deer was too far away. They could have, but they didn't. So I came up, and I did the 6 to Midnight show at Kissin for their Christmas party, which I think was like December the 15th or so. Enjoyed it very much. That's the story. Skinner is playing really well. I'm very happy to see that. All fans are. But if he's eight inches out further on both of those shots, I don't think they go in. And that's just nitpicking 12 in a row. You got to nitpick something. That's from Dallas. One thing that I, I'm really surprised by is how many Oiler fans are not pleased with Skinner. And I, and I think that um, I've had this talk before about perfection. I, I think there's a sense of everything has to be bolted down. No mistakes can happen. And I, I, I with respect, I think that's impossible. The closest to perfect defenseman I ever saw was Nick Lidstrom. And he's not in the league anymore, and he's too old even if he were in the league. So you have, I think, a top four that is very good. I know people are mad at CC often, but Nurse CC as a second pairing is good. They might try to upgrade it, but I think it would be more like a summer move. Ekholm and Bouchard are doing very well with the McDavid line. They're absolutely scorching opposition. I wrote about it on the uh, blog today. And the top two lines right now, like today as we speak, and that's not just including November 25th and on. This is like the whole shebang, the whole year. The McDavid line with Nuge and Hyman is 23 and 11 goal sh- share. That's 68% at five on five. And they score five goals per 60. Almost every 10 minutes or every game, they get a goal. The dry side of line, 57% of the goals and 4.5 goals per 60. So, you're absolutely guaranteed one of those two lines is going to score five on five. That's a huge advantage, and it is unique in this team. I wrote today, and I mean it, that if you don't remember the 80s Oilers and you don't remember the 1990s Stanley Cup, this is probably peak Oilers for you. It's either this team or the 06 Oilers that went all the way to Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Final. And if you'll recall, that team had holes. Until they acquired Dwayne Rolison at the deadline, they didn't have the goaltending you need, and they never did have a power play. That and I and I'm with respect. I I think that if they'd had a better power play, they probably would have won the Stanley Cup. They had a great coach. Craig McTavish was a great coach. I think he could have been a great GM too, but he didn't have time. But he was a great coach, and they could have won the Stanley Cup that year. They had the best defenseman in the league in Chris Pronger. And they had a bunch of emerging forwards like Alish Hemsky and Sean Horkoff. Remember how much McT counted on Horkoff? He was everything. And they had Pekka on the roster. But Horkoff, he's the guy who blocked the shot with his face in Detroit. And they had a team that could have won it all. They did not have the power play. And that's too bad because it would have been grand. And the other thing that they didn't have, uh, they had to bring Rem Murray back from Europe because... Mark Pouliot got mono, and I think it was mono. I think that's the year he had mono. He had so many things. Remember that? He had the, well, anyway, he had a lot of things we can't talk about on the radio. And then uh, they, they called Ram Murray back, but they had traded Marty Reisner at the deadline. And I always wonder if they, tra- if they hadn't traded Marty Reisner. I know if wishes were horses, but 
Skinner looked totally fine last night. He faced three breakaways in the first period because the team had a slow start again. Bashing a goalie like that that's had a 948 save percentage since November is ridiculous. Bacon King. That's what I think. And yet every day I sit here and I see people going, well, I played hockey when I was in midget. And, you know, if he played the... Really? Because I'm thinking the NHL shooters are a little better than the guys you faced in midget when you were midget age. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know what kind of, of magic elixir Paul Coffey has given to the defenseman, but whatever he's doing and the rest of the coaching staff, it is the magic touch. Well, I think we, I'm so thankful we've gotten away from people talking about you need the zone or you need the man to man. What you need is six defensemen who understand the system and the system has to work. And that's what they have now. They're using all of the ice to get breakouts and they're winning battles. And everybody's playing a lot smarter. And part of playing a lot smarter is having forwards who are doing the right thing. And they are. They're, they're, they're battening down the hatches. They're playing responsible hockey. And in the first period last night, they were doing those zing-zing Zippo passes that you, you, you worry about because that's what causes problems. That said, they've really cut down on it, and they did in the second and the third period. This team, it, it's, it's like they're so gifted that you want to let the horses run, but you also understand that if you do, you might not win. I remember Putch Imlach in one of the books that Scott Young wrote. Uh, it was either, it was probably Heaven and Hell in the NHL. He talked about Gilbert Perrault, and he talked about Perrault's rookie season where he had to decide whether he was just going to let him run and just be the offensive juggernaut that he was or rein him in and make him something else. And what he decided was he would let him run. And then he would ask his second line, which was Don Luce, Craig Ramsey, and Rene Robert. I'm sorry, uh, Danny Gare. Uh, He he would ask that second line to do all the hard work. And that's that's how it happened. The Oilers have a different situation. They've got McDavid and Dreisaitl, and they're so good that their possession numbers are are excellent, although Leon can waver a little bit, and their outscoring numbers are also excellent. This is a this is a really good hockey club. The Edmonton Oilers can win the Stanley Cup this year. And I say that understanding that just in November, I was saying make your peace with your your lord whoever that may be. This team is not going to win. And they turned it around in exactly one heartbeat, which is really unusual. You won't see this type of season, Oiler fans, probably for the rest of your lifetime. I do not recall a year like this in the history of the Edmonton Oilers. And they've been around for 40-plus years. All right, the show goes like this. NHL Rumors is on the way next. We'll talk to Steve Lansky at 1 o'clock. i got a big question to him about Harry Sinden. I've been reading the uh, Hockey News archive, and oh, my God, it's like, it is like, a trip. I may just one day jump into the pages and not come back. That's how much I love it. But there's an Harry Sinden um, 1970 passage in uh, Ken McKenzie's column that I want to ask him about. Oh, it'll be interesting, I promise. Uh, Tyler Uram, check at 120 and Declination with our friend uh, Declan Kerr. And we're going to find out exactly where he is. I mean, he leave poor Donovan here with me. Lord knows what's going to happen. Can you do me a favor? We're going to take a break in two shakes. If you could do me a favor... I need you to follow Donovan Paulson. It's D-O-N-O-V-A-N-P-A-U-L-S-O-N on Twitter. He's Donovan the Intern on Sports 1440. Follow him. We're up to 35. I think we got about 10 people so far that we've added on, but we want way more than that, okay? If you can do that, I'd really appreciate it. This is the Lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. It's the Lowdown on Sports 1440. 
brought to you by Wolf GMC Buick on the corner of 184th Street and Stony Plain Road. Uh, we're up to 45 followers for Donovan now. That's uh, D-O-N-O-V-A-N, Paulson, P-A-U-L-S-O-N. Good-looking guy. Nice photograph. Blue Jays fan. Probably never heard of the Expos. It's all good. Doesn't hurt my feelings at all. No, no, it's fine. No, I'll just sit over here. It'll be fine. Uh, Jim Rutherford. This is the rumors segment of the show. Jim Rutherford getting a new deal. And why not? One of my favorite writers who is around the Canucks is Harmon Dial from The Athletic. Got a great article today about basically saying that he thought they were a long way away from contending and he was wrong. I love the article because it's honest. But I also love the fact that, you know, Harmon's points originally were well-spoken and well-thought-out and I think true. And that's why you... I know they're on a heater. I know that their save percentage is through the roof, and I know their shooting percentage is unsustainable. I know all of that. But they were a better team than they were a year ago, and they did the things that you would expect them to do to try to get better, add more experience, add some speed, be less reliant on one-dimensional players. They did all of that, and it worked. And so Jim Rutherford gets the, the new contract on merit, love it, happy for it. It's all good. And he's getting the new deal, but I, uh, Drance is fantastic. He's a great writer. I would always say Drance is my favorite, but Harmon Dial is brilliant too. They're a really good team over there. I mean, our Daniel Nugent Bowman is, is beyond anybody, but those guys are top drawer as well. The Carolina Hurricanes have claimed Spencer Martin off waivers from Columbus. I knew this was going to happen. I said to this yesterday, and it's, it's because goaltending is so difficult to find right now. Uh, somebody said to me yesterday, do you think the Oilers have a chance at Spencer Martin? And I said, I don't think he'll get there. I just didn't. Because if the if the Vancouver Canucks, they they acquired Casey DeSmith before the season started. If they tried to, if they wanted to trade him today, they'd get a ton for the guy. Because everybody talks about, this happens all the time. Everybody, well, we got this guy, this guy. And then, all of a sudden, it's like the orders with Jack Campbell. Sure, you're, the right play is to say, I anyway, signed him for five years. We've had one bad year. Put him out there. We, we got four more years at $5 million. Surely we can count. No? You can't. Oh, okay. And then you're, you're, you're caught in the slipstream because you've spent all your money on other things, and your, your AHL goalie, who's your number three guy, is making a million dollars or less-ish. And you've got a prospect in Olivier Rodrigue, but... You know, this is an important year for the team, and they were struggling. I think they could maybe get a look at them now, but we'll see. I have an article up at The Athletic today about the five AHL players who have the most value in trade. And I read the article, but I'm here to warn you that if you were upset about the Mike Kessel ring trade, hold on to your ass, because the article I wrote today will make you very angry and real mad which is a Sesame Street song, and we will have a Sesame Street song later in the show to commemorate the 12-game winning streak of the Edmonton Oilers. Stealing it from the Edmonton Oilers. So congratulations to Jim Rutherford. Francesco Aquilini confirmed the team has signed Rutherford to a three-year extension today. That's via Grants at The Athletic. I hammered Aquilini for a long time. Listen to Trevor Linden. Do it the right way. Okay. We have to erase all of those tapes 
Poor Donovan. He thinks he's here to work in radio. He's just going to be erasing tapes like he's working in the Nixon administration. Fortunately, he doesn't know what the Nixon administration did. So it'll all be new to him. Shane Pinto has signed a one-year deal. It's the bare minimum, 775K. Uh, He is eligible to make his season debut in Sunday's game against the Flyers. He'll miss tomorrow's uh, game as he serves the final game of his 41-game suspension for violating the league's sports wagering rules. That, that, that suspension and that imposing of that rule and that, that penalty scared the hell out of the National Hockey League. You know why? I think it was vague. I think people didn't know, and Pinto was the guy that they decided to use as the example, and it cost him 41 games of his career and a lot of money. And so now he'll get a long-term deal next year. But this was a mess, stem to stern. And the, the, the Ottawa Senators remind me a little bit of the California Golden Seals, where a new GM would come in and set things on a better road, and then stuff kept happening. Like, just weird stuff would happen. And that's sort of what happens to the Ottawa Senators. Why are they not good enough? How come they can't get a goalie? Other teams get goalies. Even if you had to overpay for a goaltender. You know, Vancouver got Casey DeSmith. Why didn't Ottawa do that? Well, Al, maybe he wasn't available. Maybe Montreal didn't make him available. Sure, there are other options. Barry Trotz has talked about UC Soros as being unavailable for most of this year, but Pierre Lebrun had an item yesterday uh, in The Athletic, and he talked about it on TSN. That Maybe the like it's changing a little bit in terms of Saros possibly going somewhere. And here's why. I want you to know this. Here's why. It looks like the offers are so good that Nashville's having to listen. It's going to have to be a monster deal because they're inexperienced. They've got bona fide people in goal who could step in for Nashville, but it's inexperienced bona fide people. The The... The Nashville Predators, here's what you don't want to do. I'll give you another example from old time. i got to stop reading the Hockey News Archive. The Philadelphia Flyers got upset one year. They just missed the playoffs, and they traded Bernie Perron and ended up with Rick McLeish. And Mike Walton went somewhere, too, and Perron ended up in Toronto. It was, a, it was a round and round ago. Walton ended up in Boston, McLeish in Philly, and Perron in Toronto. And then a couple of years later, they got Perrant back, and they eventually won the Stanley Cup. A goaltender like Perrant, and and we're using, uh, obviously, a non-Perrant example here, but it can be really important. And Soros is the team in Nashville. So I'm not saying they're going to win the Stanley Cup, but I'm saying great goaltending can leave you, lead you to the Stanley Cup. So you don't want to give up on the guy too soon. I, I'm not suggesting that Soros is even the best goaltender in the league. I am saying he could get hot and take them a long way. Dwayne Rollison did here in Edmonton. There is a rumor going on, and I find it very interesting, that the Los Angeles Kings are contemplating firing Todd McClellan. They are 1-5-4 and four since December 28. I have always felt that the Oilers received, have received good coaching during the... Well, really, for most of the time they've been an NHL franchise. 
I think George Burnett was not a great coach, I'll be honest. I think Dallas Aikens tried to do too much too soon. That I can be honest about as well. But Craig McTavish was an outstanding coach. He truly was. I think Todd McClellan was. I, I definitely think that Jay Woodcroft was. Dave Tippett was. I think Chris Knobloch is is a really good coach. I don't know how good because it's too new. Right now he looks like the smartest man alive. Maybe he is. But McClellan is a good coach. I don't know if he can get a team over the top. He had a, For a long time, he had a great team in San Jose and they never won. And he was the coach here and they they didn't win. If LA fires him, I, I you know, sometimes you're too long at the fair. I don't think he's been that long in Los Angeles. And so I'm a little surprised that this is coming this this early. You know, he hasn't been there that long, but we'll see. I would be surprised by that. I also heard a rumor that Arthur Kaliev, one of my favorite young players in the league, is possibly available. That's a guy I'd like to the owners to get. He would help them on the power play specifically. Got a great shot. Volume shooter, marksman. You're getting him early, so you know his career hasn't taken off. You wouldn't have to overpay. I like it. LT, at this point, to get Saros, you'd need to give up Skinner and high assets. The issue is he's only signed this year and next. He's signed long-term. Do you do that? At five years? Probably. Also, is there a way to see how many times Leo has been kicked out of the face-off circle from Robert? I, I wasn't suggesting Saros for Edmonton. I think that I, I'm, I want this to be clear because I keep saying it and people don't believe me, maybe. I think Stuart Skinner is their goalie now and the goalie of the future. I think Stuart Skinner is the reason that they weren't interested in Jesper Wallstead. Now, if you go online, if you go on Twitter, the, the biggest sin in the history of humanity is that the Oilers did not draft Jesper Wallstead based on what you can read on Twitter or X. I don't believe that. I think the organization correctly assessed that Stuart Skinner was a quality NHL goaltender. They already had him, and they were going to run with him. And you can say, well, they should have drafted Wallstead anyway. But if, if their grading system didn't have Wallstead as a Hall of Famer before he played an NHL game, which everybody on Twitter does. By the way, he has played in an NHL game already. It wasn't good, but... We, you don't make you don't make a value judgment on a goaltender about one game, especially when it's his first game in the NHL, and especially when his team is not playing well. So, while Stet's in the NHL right now, we will see how he shines. We'll see how far he goes, and it'll all be good. But what we won't do is we won't hammer the guy over one NHL start. But I don't think Soros is the guy in Edmonton. I think the guy in Edmonton is Stuart Skinner. Between Olivier Rodrigue and Stuart Skinner, the orders are in no need of goaltending for the future. If you're doing something, it's for a backup goalie. Stu's our guy. I agree totally. And I think that, that I think that's a missing point. I wrote about Skinner when he, in the, the darkest days of this season. And I said his long resume, like the one that is two years in the AHL playing really well, now are coming up on two years in the NHL playing well. He's the guy. And the Oilers have done this before. They've traded guys. They've done it actually twice before. They traded Andy Moog. He kind of forced the issue because Fear was the number one guy. But Moog had many years left. But say they got Bill Ranford, so it's not like they even skipped a beat. And then they got down on Devin Dubnik, which was a mistake. 
and it cost them a really good goaltender for a long time because Dubnik recovered, and then he had a fine career. Carolina claims Spencer Martin. Yes, yeah, I know. That's why we're talking about goaltenders. Even giving up on Dubie and Talbot were mistakes. Well, the, there were different mistakes, though. They gave up on Dubnik because they had to blame somebody for the swarm, and the swarm w- would have killed any goalie the way the Oilers played it. This, this is the reason why Knobloch and Stewart and, and Coffey are so valuable because all summer I was reading these articles about, well, you got to go to, you got to go to zone man to man. Who needs that? I'm here to tell you they're going to change inter, interchange over the next five years a lot on different things that are working because you get stale. What the key is, is the plan has been formulated. The plan was, was communicated and the plan is being followed. People get, uh, when Akins was here, he blamed the defenseman. He goes, you know, I, we've gone away from the swarm. I thought my defenseman could understand it. Whenever a teacher tells you, I'm giving up on teaching this because you guys don't get it, it's the teacher's fault. The teacher has made it too complicated. And so when the Oilers came back this fall and they were doing a new system, whatever it was, it either was flawed in design or it was flawed, flawed in, in putting into place. There's only two ways it could be as bad as it was. And Knobloch, in fairness to him, I don't want to puncture Jay Woodcroft here, in fairness to, to the new regime, whoever they were, they had an attentive group of people. They did not want to lose a bunch of games. They did not want to walk through the streets of Edmonton as a team that had gone 2-9-1 twice in a row. So they were going to listen and they were going to, whatever the plan was, they were going to execute it as best they could. And that's what happened. But the plan was well thought out. They get out of their zone, lickety split. They can also defend and they can win battles because they have what? Support. And the, def- the, the right wingers and the left wingers are not abandoning their post at the blue line. The center is working like hell. There's no doubt about that, but they're working and they're in the right spot and they're offering cover. Did you see the Derek Ryan goal the other night? And then did you see last night where Seattle had a guy in the high slot, same play, and there were two guys that got a part of the puck or the player before the shot came out. That's all you want. That's how you defend. You're not going to stop the pass, but you can sure suppress the opportunity. And that's what the Oilers did. They're doing it right now. They're in the right spots for where the puck is. I love the way they're playing right now. They'll have wobble. Every team does. And they'll have to reassess. And when it's not working, get stale. They'll have to redo it again. That's called life. So when the next time you see an article where it blames the system, oh, they're in the wrong system. Understand every system gets used. It's execution. Are they executing? If they're not executing, do they understand the plan? And does the plan work? Because sometimes... You know, I, I watched Chip Kelly play uh, a head coach for the Philadelphia Eagles. His entire, entire foundation for his team was to score quickly. And what happened was his defense got run over because they were tired every game. The other team, oh, okay, you want to score quickly? Well, we'll have your defense on the field for 48 minutes. I mean, that's a flawed plan. Chip Kelly, sometimes plans are flawed and sometimes they're not explained well enough. All right. Speaking of not explaining well enough, Steve Lansky will join us at 1 o'clock. I've told him what I'm going to ask him. Chances are he will have forgotten. And at 120, it'll be Tyler Uramchuk. Really the same thing. And then the big problem is uh, Declan, who's on location today. He'll do declinations at 140. My big problem with him is, will he remember? 
And then will he actually have picked something to do a declinations on? These are the issues that I have. And I'm just so thankful that today I have a producer who has stayed in the room all day, Donovan Paulson. Make sure to follow him at Donovan, D-O-N-O-V-A-N, Paulson, P-A-U-L-S-O-N. We're up to 51 followers. Can we get it to 100? Can we get it to 100 by 2 o'clock? Let's see if we can. By the way, the lowdown is driven by Wolf GMC Buick. Hurry in for GMC's Joy to the Ride event. No payments for 90 days on every new in-stock 2023 GMC and Buick. Ask for details. This is the lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. It's a 12-game winning streak for the Edmonton Oilers. Thanks to the uh, Sesame Street singers. Uh, the Oilers, I believe, sent that out. And Stella Stevens from CFCW sent it out, and that's where I saw it. So it's, it's making the rounds. I think it's cute. Did you ever watch, Donovan, did you ever watch Sesame Street as a kid? Um, very occasionally. I was not a diehard Sesame Street guy. Well, you're, you're Caillou, right? Uh, no, it was, um, when I was a kid, it was something called Toopy and Binu. That what? was, uh, it was like a... Uh, Toopy and Binu? Are you lying? No, that was legitimately what, what it's called. You can, you can give it a quick Google if you want, but it was... Uh, okay, well, uh, what about SpongeBob? Uh, I actually didn't watch SpongeBob at all, but I did watch Caillou a little bit as a kid. Um, what what, else what was year there? were you five? Uh, <laughs> what year was I five? Uh, that would have been 2007. Cause I'm oh, so you're very young. I am 21, yeah. Oh, my God. I had no idea. You shave, man. Like, what the? <laughs> Ryan Nugent Hopkins is going to be a little jealous of you. Yeah, I've kind of put him to shame here. I've, yeah. uh, <laughs> Nicely done. <laughs> but he might beat me in hockey. Well, a little bit, you know. <laughs> Probably also knowledge of horses uh, and other things, too. So uh, Lowdown is driven by Wolf GMC Buick. Thank you for joining us. You're wondering about Declan. He's on location with Gregor today, but he will join us for the um, declinations at 140 today. We've got Lansky coming up, and we also have Tyler Uremchuk in our number two. Uh, Declan, before he left, he did what he always does, which is pile up the guests in hour two and then we're crickets in hour one he does that to punish me and because he hates me and that's why my friend donovan has joined me today all right donovan are you ready i'm gonna put you to work are you ready i am ready yes okay we have four 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 divisional nfl round playoff games tomorrow i don't need you to go into plenty of detail i just need you to give me winners on each of these are you ready yes sir okay tomorrow at 2 30 the Houston Texans play the Baltimore Ravens. Who wins? I've got the Ravens in this one. Um, I, I just think they're the better team. Uh, sort, sort of the Duke there, but I know the Texans are his team, but I, the Ravens are just so much better, right? Like, you, you just got to figure. I know they're, um, you know, they're, they're kind of banged up a little bit, but I, I, I think they're, uh, they're going to they're gonna come out on this one. The, the only thing that gives me pause, and I, I you know, I wish I, it would be more interesting radio, if I went the other way, but I, I can't because I think that would be, you know, I just, it's a bridge too far, but I love the future of the Texans. I love the quarterback. I love the fact that they are fearless. They're aggressive. There are a lot of things that could make this a very dangerous game for the Ravens. I just don't think, I just think it's a bridge too far. So I'll take the Ravens over the Texans, but remember the Texans because they'll be here a year from now. All right. This is, for me, is going to be the most fun game of the weekend. The Packers and the 49ers. Who do you like there? I, I think you have to take the 49ers. The Niners are just, they're just better. I mean, they're, I think they're everybody's Super Bowl picks, right? Like, I know they're mine. I mean, that team is, is, is stacked from top to bottom. Everybody's just 
so good at football on that team. Jordan Love, though, he he looked so, so good in that wild card game. So I got to take 49ers. Yeah, I, I just, I, for me, I just think the 49ers are they're a team of destiny. And they've been kind of around it for a while. But... And I like I don't dislike the Packers. In fact, I love I, why I like the Packers is they do things right. You know, they had a quarterback who didn't want to be there, and he was a great quarterback. But he was also a quarterback that was drew attention to himself as opposed to team. So they move on, and they move on with a guy who's been auditioning for a long, long time. And so they deserve to win this game. I just don't think they're powerful enough to win this game. Okay, Sunday, Buccaneers Lions. I got I got the, the the Lions. The Lions are just I think they're the, just the better team, right? Um I mean, I know uh I know Baker Mayfield had a had a n- really nice game carving up the Eagles, but I, I they're just they're not as good as the Lions. The Lions are just I, I think better at everything. I think that the the Buccaneers are the one to and the Eagles would have been too because the Eagles are not a good team right now and I'm an Eagles fan. But the Buccaneers are the one team in this group of 8 this weekend that like a Sesame Street, one of these things is not like the other. One of these things just is doesn't belong, and it's the Buccaneers. I, I I don't think they're real, and I think the Lions will win. And I believe that game will be over quickly enough on Sunday afternoon for you like to you know, maybe do the dishes, go outside, shovel, whatever you need to do. That'll be your time. I think there'll also be a lot of leisure time in the evening. Chiefs and Bills. Who are you taking? See, this is the interesting one for, for I, th- I think, everybody I speak for on this one. But um, I have the Bills. I um, I think it's their time, honestly. Um, I, I know they're kind of like the, uh, uh, not necessarily the same extent as, as the Cowboys, but they're kind of like the Leafs of football, right? They kind of always <laughs> find a way to choke. But um, I, I have the Bills. I think it's their year. I really liked what I saw from Josh Allen. So I, I'm, I'm going to say, I'm going to say the Bills don't choke. I, I think that the the one reason I'm not choosing the Bills, and I, because my, my friend uh, Yost, I just like him a lot and I wish they would win. I just think there's just so many injuries to the Bills. So I will say Chiefs in a close one that'll keep you going into the third quarter, maybe even fourth quarter, but I think it'll be, uh, and then the AFC final is going to be really interesting. Ravens Chiefs would be interesting. So you have you have the 49ers going all the way and winning the Super Bowl? Uh yes I do. Um I had them last year too. Uh but of course Brock Purdy uh he got uh, a very nasty arm injury. Yeah. Um so I have I have the 49ers winning. Um they they're just they're too good. They're yeah. too good not to win. Whether it's this year or next year or whenever. They they're just they're too good. I will say this that people are already after you. Tyler and Millwoods. That's disrespectful to the Cowboys. They are the Leafs of the NFL. I, I the Leafs won in '67 and haven't won since. I I think the Chargers are the Leafs of the NFL. Who's been around since '67 and not won? Even the Eagles have won now. Maybe the Bengals, Browns. I don't know. I guess the problem is there's a lot of candidates. For Ravens, Bills, Lions, 49ers, all favorites. Be, be great to see a couple of upsets. I love the upsets. That's why I love the the um, when when all 64 teams play in the NCAA basketball tournament, March Madness, like they all play right away. And you're 
I'm always I'm always on the air when it starts, and somebody will uh, there'll be sixty nine. Pardon the I just picked a word, number and it came out sixty nine. Wake Forest, Wake Forest, and then you know that Wake Forest is doing something in the NCAA tournament that's happening right now. What did you just say, Low Tide? Damn you. Did you slip and hit your head? Go Texans. From Norm in a combine. I, look, I'm a fan of the Texans. And I, I'll i tell you the reason, Warren Moon. Even though the Oilers were the team that played, now the Titans in Houston, I, I just have an affinity for Houston fans because they love Warren Moon as much as I do. I see online all the time. Sometimes I'll type in Oilers on Twitter, and there'll be guys, you know, oh, I remember when this happened with the Houston Oilers. Remember Earl Campbell ran 52 times because Bum Phillips couldn't remember the name of the other running back. I love those. I love that team. And they, they were, I, I actually sort of went with McNair. I liked McNair a lot. Um, but I never had the connection to the Titans. It just never felt right. I have a, I have a more of a connection to the Washington Nationals than I do to the Titans. Moon is the reason I'm a Texas fan, Texans fan from North. Well, hey, I, I know, I, I get that totally. I loved Warren Moon here, and and now I, I still remained an Eagles fan, but I was a Warren Moon fan. And if they'd won, and they had, it was so close. It was they all it just, they, the ball just did not get to the end zone. Oh, that hurt! It's absolutely observed that people are overlooking the Ravens put absolute beating down on San Fran on primetime three weeks ago. Mar Jackson's going to show you can't pay a quarterback eight hundred eighty thousand and win the Super Bowl with them. Purdy's just not dynamic enough. Guys on the um, Ravens side got to catch the football. That's the thing. Happy Friday, low tide. I saw on your blog today you have the Oilers losing one of their games next week. Did you anticipate them potentially losing to the Preds? Do you still feel that way now that they're on a twelve-game winning streak from Justin? I will tell you something that I've learned in my life, Justin. <clears throat> lie. No, I'm teasing. Um, I had them losing to Nashville. And the reason I did was I I sort of, when I started the month, I sort of had them getting like 15 points in 11 games. That's what I wanted to come up with. Somewhere in that range. And I didn't see them losing to Calgary. I think they might lose in overtime. That's what I predicted. But I didn't see them winning the whole month. I, I mean, I'm sorry, but I didn't see that. I, I saw them going 7-3-1, and one, not 11-0-0. But last night and the Toronto game for me were two real challenges. And the other big one, I think, is tomorrow night in Calgary. You know, Calgary is a funny team. They are, even when they're not playing well, although recently they played well too, but even when they're not, they'll get up for the Oilers games. And they're doing some weird things right now. I mentioned this on the show yesterday, and maybe weird's too strong a word. I'll say unusual. We'll go with unusual. How's that? They've called up a guy named Adam Klapka, who is a legit AHL player. He's 22 years old, 21 points in 33 games, 10 goals. He's six foot eight and 235. He's a monster. He is noticeable. He's a bull. And he didn't play last night. But I do wonder if he plays tonight. And if he does, or tomorrow night, if he does, well, 
that's a story. It will be interesting. I wrote today, I didn't talk about the needs of the orders or what they would identify as being, you know, the target players. But I had a long look at what they have in the system and the pro system. And I'm going to tell a little story. I'm going to tell a little story for you now. Uh, it's one of my favorite stories. It's a baseball story. It goes like this. So in about 1969, the Houston Astros of the National League had a lot of really good players. They were not a contender. They had never won anything in their time on the planet. I think they were eight years old or so by 1969. But they had great players. Like Joe Morgan, wonderful ball player. They had, in their system at one time, they had so many guys who could play first base. It was stunning how many guys could play first base for them. They had John Mayberry, Bob Watson, Nate Colbert, on and Cliff Johnson, who was a catcher, but he could play first base. And in 69, they had Kurt Bleffery. He was their first baseman. He came over, I think, from Houston, uh, from uh, Baltimore. And then they moved up Bob Watson in 1970. And then in 71, Dennis Menke, who was a second baseman, played for a while. John Mary, Mayberry played for a while. Mayberry was a really good power hitter. He ended up having a really good career in Kansas City. But they were, they were unsettled at the position, but they had like a bunch of guys who could play the position, but they didn't trust them. And they had other options. And the manager said, oh, I like this other guy better. And finally, they traded for Lee May. And it was a mistake because they gave up too much. But they traded for Lee May. And Lee May was a big-time power hitter, wonderful ball player, huge hitter. But in the meantime, underneath and over the about a seven-year period, they were populating every other team Every other team's NH, NL first baseman and AL's first baseman was coming from the Houston Astros. John Mayberry, Cliff Johnson, Nate Colbert. On and on and on it went. I'm, I'm forgetting some of the names. There was so many first basemen in that system, and they didn't trust enough any of them enough. They didn't see them as they were, and slowly but surely other teams would just pluck them away via trade. And they ended up doubling down because they got Lee May, and that really blocked everybody. So they had to get rid of everyone. And they did. Mayberry to Kansas City, Colbert to San Diego. Cliff Johnson jumped around for a while, ended up in Toronto. That all happened. The Edmonton Oilers last year at the deadline, they traded a guy named Mike Kesselring. And Mike Kesselring is now playing in the National Hockey League for Arizona. Real good player. Going to have a fine career, making no money at all, right-handed shot, scoring well, playing well, on defense for Arizona. Read the article. I say in the article, the Mike Kessel ring of this year is on the Bakersfield Condors roster right now, and they're going to trade him, and then at some point in time, they're going to need him, and he'll be in another town. Sometimes organizations develop a lot of players in one spot, left defense in this case, and they don't recognize 
that somewhere along the way, Matthias Ekholm's going to get older. Brett Kulak's not going to be able to do what he's going to do. They're going to need to have less expensive players at the position, and they're going to trade away Philip Broberg. I can see it from a mile away. It's too bad, but it's going to happen. Read the article. Okay, 12.55. On the way, Steve Lansky. We're going to talk about Harry Sinden. We're going to talk about the Oilers and more. This is the Lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440.